Right, here we are. I'm Jermaine Morris here with Barry Axius. This is the new podcast, Say Something, where we address topics that need to be spoken about, things that we're not going to sit silent on, things that we think need to be addressed, and we're here to talk about them. How you oh, feel? No doubt, man. I'm, I have a headache. <laughs> I have a big-ass headache, man. But, you know, hey, we're here. We're building, so let's go ahead and put it together. All right. Appreciate you fighting through the headaches so we can Man, get this show in here. I think it's because of the event that I got going on. It's people are stressing me. That's why it's probably some of that, some of this, and you know, just all the stuff that's going on. So you talk about the event. That's the uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins. Yes, sir. So for those who don't know, Phil Yen, Dr. Boyce Watkins, the People Scholar. Yes, sir. Coming here to Sacramento, California, this uh, September 11th. Yes, sir. That's at the Simmons Center. You got it. And it's uh, tickets still available at blackblueprints.com. With a Z. With blackblueprints with a Z.com. Dr. Boyce Watkins, what's he going to be speaking about? Financial empowerment, man. It's about uh, black financial empowerment. Some of uh, the black dollar matters. And we're going to talk about all the things that we need to talk about as they continue to try to distract us on all these other things in the media. Whether it's Colin Kaepernick, whether it's uh, Brock Turner, whether it's Gabby Douglas, I mean, I mean, there's so many different things that are happening. Whether it's Donald Trump, uh, Hillary Clinton, what are we gonna do for the voting? Bottom line, if we don't get our finances in order, it does none of these things even matter. True, because in this, this for those who don't know, also the United States of America is a capitalist society. And so when you start talking about political issues or social issues, social issues should be your base if you're in a socialist society. Yeah. But in a capitalist society, point blank, you got to get your money right. Yeah, we definitely. And we got our money all the way wrong. You know, if we, as I like to call them, you know, you've been in a lot of the um, economic and uh, empowerment classes that we've done for the youth. And we're going to be doing one together October 9th as well because we're really taking this this money thing seriously because these are conversations that we don't have in a black household. These are conversations that we haven't had growing up. No one told me about how to fix a checkbook or what a credit card meant or what a credit score meant. And a lot of the times the dollar is taboo in the household of blacks. And it can't be because this is what we're controlled by is finances. So when we've been very intentional with working with our youth, with our black economic uh, workshops, we're going to take it to the next level. Bring Dr. Boyce Watkins out here, the People Scholar, and he's going to basically break down what we should be doing. Especially now, September is here. We're coming on to the holiday stretch and everybody's up in arm about this, that and the other. Right. But when those holidays get to knocking. These Negroes, these $500 Negroes will be at the mall shopping, shopping, spending, shopping and doing all that. I talked about that on a podcast with Michael Andrews Jr. Shouts out to Michael Andrews Jr. He was, uh, we just got done talking about this whole thing. And it was crazy because, you know, he's a financial uh, strategist. And we were talking about um, how black people spend horribly. And, it, and it's just it's such a trend that we have to break it and we have to create a different trend and have us start investing, have us start saving and practicing in group economics. Yeah, because I think last year, and I don't see any change in culture for this year, uh, black people in America spent nearly a trillion dollars in the economy, but yet own less than 2% of all the businesses and producers of where said trillion dollars went. Listen, we spent trillions of dollars, right? And every city in America, black people will be moved out, <laughs> right? They, no. The little communities that they got, they moving the Negro out, and then they're uh, replanting these these uh, communities with new homes, new businesses, uh, better Gentr- schools. Gentrification. I mean, we all know what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I wanted to color it up a little bit. But we all know what it is, and that's big business. And the Negro was not involved in any of it here in Sacramento, that big old downtown uh, extravaganza called the Golden One Center. Right. How many black businesses are going to be in that new metropolis down there? With the exception of Shaq being a minority owner. Zero. <laughs> Listen, OK, zero. Right. 
And this is with a black mayor. So when we talk about finances, when we talk about money, it's like the key thing in black America should be education and finances. Okay, because I could tell you personally firsthand, growing up, my father, I've said my father was a garbage man. My grandfather was a garbage man. And they grew up, they were under the era of take care of your job, the job will take care of you. I can't count how many times I heard that phrase from them. Like show up to work on time, be responsible, this and that. But I remember my father talking about money in the sense of, to my knowledge, growing up, he didn't have any kind of credit cards, you know, pay cash for it, whatever. Never a conversation about investing, never a conversation about going into property, real estate, getting your money working for you, being a business owner. His whole thing was he started as a garbage man when he was 18 and he retired as a supervisor for the Department of Sanitation. My grandfather started when he moved out here from Alabama and he retired from the city of the Department of Sanitation. They're from that era of we talk about, you know, work, 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 and then retire. You go watch and all that. Sounds like days a Rihanna song. But them days is over. Them days of putting 20, 30, 40 years to a company and retiring with your 401k, your pension. By the time you get to your 10th or 15th year, technology should have either downsized or eliminated the need. Like when my father started off, it was the old school days with the two dudes hanging off the back of the truck and the one guy driving. By the time he quit being in the truck and got put on the shirt and tie, it was one driver with that automated hand that started lifting the can up. Two dudes who went to work every day no longer had a job. And it wasn't because of how hard they worked. And then you got the immigrants. I mean, they're going to take over and take half the jobs getting paid under the table. I mean, if the Negro don't really understand what's going on right now in in our lifetime and how the importance of coming to see Dr. Boyce Watkins is for those people that have Prime America and all these other different insurance, financial, you know, you know, things that they, they're doing on the side of their job, which I commend, you know, whatever you got to do to get out the plantation. But my reality is I set out a goal four to five years. I'm not rocking with no other entity but my own. And if I am going to be sitting at a table, I'm going to be one of the brain trusts at the table creating change. I've done that. And I work damn hard to make sure I don't ever have to go back to that. And that whole situation is when you have a desire, you have a passion, and you know that you are going to be able to give more to your community, to this world, than being behind someone's desk, pushing papers, being on a computer, uh, picking up phone calls, getting cursed out, like you're going to go for yours, man. And I tell every single person, if you have a dream, get some ambition to back that dream up and have a, a, a good set of kahunas because this whole Going on your own, going off the plantation, it's not for the weak at heart, first of all. It's tough, but it's very much rewarding. I'd rather have a headache knowing the headache is coming from the business that I've taken care of, not the headache because I had some supervisor up my ass and I may get fired if I go back to work or I call in sick. Okay, well, we talk about, so, good, valid point, and I, and I agree with you, but what I would like to look at, too, is we talk about being entrepreneurs, we talk about having our own, if you talk to any any young person, they'll tell you they're all bosses, everybody's this, that, and the third. But the reality of it is, like they're choices. all They're all bosses with a boss. Yeah. I mean, that's real. They're all bosses with a boss. I mean, to say you're your own boss, I mean, that's a powerful statement. And we got a whole bunch of Negroes running around here feeling that they're bosses. But at the end of the day, they're being bossed. If you ain't owning your own, how can you really be a boss? Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of us fall into traps in business and in finance because we make poor choices personally and socially like we talk about dealing with kids and stuff all the time is if the if you just take raising a child and this is like low end you know from birth to graduation is roughly a quarter of a million dollars that's if you just kind of just just doing it not private what would you just say quarter of a million dollars two hundred fifty thousand dollars to raise a child is the national average base minimum. So from 1, 0 to 18. 18. That's base. And that's nationally because you got to understand too. And you got some of these broke-ass Negroes, these silly Negroes, having three to four. Yeah. With no education, no job, no drive. Which is the point because if you're – so if you imagine that, if, if you're – let's just say you, you're 18 when you have your first child. Yeah. You go out into the world, instead of going out in the world with either A, benefiting from transgenerational wealth, meaning like 
you businesses that you take over, property that's left to you. If you don't start off in that situation where you turn 18 and you start off in the plus category, <laughs> let's just let's say that's not your that's not your reality. So then you start off at 18 at zero. Nothing's left to you. You don't own anything. Whatever. When you turn 18 and mom and dad say, give me a key back and you got to go out into the world. That's a struggle starting at zero. Yeah. So imagine being 18 and going out into the world, not only with nothing to start with, but a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar debt that you now have to figure out a way to to not only make your monthly payments on, i.e. raise your child, but then still try to figure out a way to live yourself, to sustain, then to build and then to try to create like those personal choices. You know, social choices drastically dictate those economic choices. Don't you think that's, that isn't it the American dream? Go to college and get in debt. I mean, that sounds like it to me. I mean, go to college, get in debt, go work for somebody. <laughs> I mean, that's a great American dream. Like, the reality is, man, um, just listening to that sounds like a fucking nightmare, you know, all the way around. And I'm so happy that I have rather have lived my struggle to get to the point where I am, where like literally with this Boyce Watkins thing, I put my money up. You know, I put my money where my mouth is. I had different people that was talking about collaborating and they they wasn't ready. And I had no time to sit there and wait. I felt my instincts were saying, yo, go for it. Roll the dice. I rolled the dice. And um, that becomes the issue that we have. There's so many of us that want that perfect opportunity, want that perfect time to build, to, to create and everybody kind of wants to do it with their best friends. I don't need to be your best friend to be in business with you. I just need to know that you can do something that I can't do. You have a certain skill set or certain um, kind of behavior traits that can build something and get us through the door doing something that I can't do it myself. And if we can do the same exact thing, that's awesome. That's great. But I would definitely love to be in business with a person that has a total different skill set as me because I feel that's how we can, uh, you know, bounce off each other but a lot of the times you talk about economics you talk about black economics you know we are so creative and you know we 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 can sell soap to to a homeless person right in the same sense that when you think about how creative we are what we've created in a sense of this civilization in america and the things that we've given america like hip-hop the last kind of great thing that blacks had and we just just here <laughs> we handed it with us on a silver platter and there's so many different things that have come out of hip-hop right literally it's now america's new form of expression we have no ownership in any of that shit like th this is ridiculous you talk about um the generational wealth like young people young black males and females come out on a negative two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you're talking about they come out on a negative not in a positive I want to be able to, when I leave this earth, to be able to plant a seed to where no matter what my daughter's situation is, she has something. I worry, I really worry that when my parent, my dad passes away, my mother, unfortunately, she's ill, so I don't expect anything from her. But my father passes away like, yo, aunties pass away. I'm hoping they, they got the game plan. But the saddest thing, especially because I, you know, I, I have a Haitian background in my culture that we haven't even talked. Even though we have land in Haiti, there's not been a conversation with a game plan of like, yo, this is what's supposed to be happening. This is what's so going down. And it's it's a curse that has happened throughout all of uh, uh, blacks in America, in Haiti, Africa, Jamaica, wherever. It's not a conversation that we like to deal with. And that's money. Okay, so. Which would seem crazy to other cultures to hear that black people don't talk about money. Here's one thing. What's crazier? Like, remember, like you didn't come to the last uh, uh, economic workshop that we had with our youth, right? Okay. We was in, you know, in the, the shopping center, right? Yeah. On the Valley High. Well, I brought them all out and we said, I said, look at it. Look at all the businesses right here. Look at all the businesses. There's nothing black, right? You know, we're in a a, a area that's predominantly what? 85 at least. 85% black. black, right? Yeah. No black businesses, and especially in the strip mall, no black businesses. We had our youth, and you would have loved it when you was out there. You would have loved it if you saw it. Um, we had our youth go to each business and ask for applications. 
and and and, and see how they would be treated, and what kind of uh, 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 you know response they would get. Yeah. And you know, there's a few different uh, moms and pop stores, like there's some Indian, um, Asian, uh, particular jobs. And when they went to the Indian uh, business, they said. The youth went in and said that they don't have any jobs. They have it for their family. Yeah. Do you know what that says? They have jobs, but they have created this platform for family members. It's not necessarily talking about their bloodline, but their people. That is a powerful stroke of genius that the Negro, for some reason, believes that he cannot attain. But in the same sense, when these young people heard that and they were disappointed because it was like you have people intentionally setting up business and economics for their own. What I've heard from so many different business people that are black. Uh, I just heard it uh, the other day from a guy that has his own construction company and my homegirl that actually has her own laundry business. She told me and he and it was almost like the same kind of conversation I had. It is almost impossible to train some of our young youth, our black youth. It is almost embarrassing, like, to have them try to work and almost more of a hassle to employ them. See, those kind of things, when you hear those type of things, it comes into such a more deeper issue when, let's say, if we got reparations today. The Negro would be broke in 2.5 seconds. It'd be like that Chappelle show skit. Brother, we wouldn't know what to do. So I'll still scream reparations is overdue, no doubt, to the death of me. But in reality, I know the complexity of our sickness is so to the point that when we would even obtain a little bit of wealth, we wouldn't even know what to do with it if we had it. And it shows from all the athletes and all the rap artists that they have given money to. And that's the, the one term I hate to say it, but it's the truth. The worst part of all of the, 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 the different uh, genocides that we've gone through, the killing of our leaders in the 60s, uh, the, the destruction of the Black Panthers, integration, slavery, Jim Crow laws, the list goes on, on crack 80s, you know, was when they gave the niggas some money. When they were able to give the niggas some money, that kind of changed the whole clock of where we're at. Because now you've been given money and they said to you, it is okay to be as ignorant as you want to be. As long as you continue to be ignorant, we will keep on paying you. And we have not got out of that rut. Because back in the days, bro, some of this buffoonery that we was going down, we wouldn't have even accepted well, it. In we, the black don't, we don't even have to go that far when we think about, because usually back in the day, people like, you know, our parents' day. No, not that far back. You know, because if you start looking at, shoot, take the 90s. That's exactly that. If you that's when the Negroes got that's when the Negroes got real money. If you started looking at uh, through pop culture, through music, through movies, whatever, <laughs> the '90s leading up to say probably around '95 was was rooted in unity, struggle, yeah. togetherness. Yes, sir. That shift, which I called the, the the shift, was the bad boy era. When 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 it was puffy, big, when it shifted over to the shiny suits, the the, the money, the jiggy which, era, which then shifted to the cash money era, which uh, was then everything was bling, balling bling. out. Bling, yeah. bling. That was that bling, bling celebration era where it was. I got mine. Now you get yours uh, was the mentality and the mantra. And like I said, why it sounds crazy to other cultures to hear that we don't talk about money because if you ask other cultures, all black people do is talk about money. Yeah, we talk about the new car we got. We talk about yeah. what shoes is on our feet, what jewelry we just. But we caught. talk about spending the money. Exactly. Exactly. We don't talk about investing the money. Oh, if we're investing the money, we're investing in a shiny car. We talk about spend, 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 spend. You talked about work, 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 work. Shoot, they need to make a song called spend, 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 spend because that's what we do. Yeah, we are the we lead the league as consumers, but we are last place as producers. We have nothing. We have absolutely nothing. And for those people that uh, you know, everybody wants, oh, well, we have a few this, we have a few that, bro. Like I say, when Peyton Manning has his own damn hospital, and now one of these Negroes who's had all this money can't even think, well, wait, huh? Maybe I need to go build a hospital that has my name on it that I control. 
I, I, I mean, it doesn't. It makes no sense to me. It's why if you go to any major university, you're going to go into so and so's gym. Yes, sir. And you're going to study at such and such library. Yes, sir. And so and so's wing. Yes, sir. And all this because they've donated x amount of dollars to to these universities. Their their legacies. They yeah. went there. Their grandpa went there. Whatever. And they've established a lineage and a history because they care about that yeah. like that is ingrained within the culture to create and, and to leave that mark we are the most disposable individuals on the planet yeah. all the stuff that we leave marks on it's clothes that we you wouldn't be caught dead in three years after you bought it are you still wearing cross colors exactly yeah you, you gonna break out that fubu fit i mean uh, i'm not <laughs> ever coming out and, and and you know wearing the jerseys again as big as they were I still rock football jersey in football season. Nah, you catch me on a, a Kaepernick, Sunday. A Kaepernick, for sure. You catch no me doubt. on a Sunday. But I'm just saying, I mean, <laughs> we have a culture of overspending, wasteful spending, and it continues to reign supreme. And when we don't sit there, we, we, we have such that profound way of speaking with all our, our passion about the injustice. But then at the same time, we continue to beg for those who have created these injustices to change, I just look at it. It's just like we're, you know, the black community, the black people have been being pimped. And it's almost a joke in a sense because we have the tools to kind of set everything right. So when you talk about getting pimped and even your lightweight mentioned his name a second ago about, about Colin. Colin. And, and so what kills me about yeah, but if you're not familiar, if you've been under a rock. Give him, give him the background. Baby. Give Colin Kaepernick, uh, look, he's going to be the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, it wasn't a real competition between him and Blaine Gabbard. But uh, took a little backlash, took a little heat over his refusal to stand for the national anthem. <laughs> now, the important part to remember about this is, is that he d- refused to stand during the national anthem. They didn't catch it. Until the third preseason game. Now, he hadn't stood for the National Anthem all preseason. So the first two games he sat, no one paid attention to him because he was that irrelevant when it came to the game and what was going on. But on the third... Because he was was injured. He's injured. They kept saying he had a dead arm. Uh, They weren't even sure if he was going to play. There was issues where he was requesting a trade in the offseason. He just wasn't the story. So on the third one, though, some people noticed that he was sitting. And then the cameraman panned out. Then they made it a big deal. Then they actually asked him about it. And he said that he refused to stand for the national anthem because he says that that pledging allegiance to that flag and and to standing for that national anthem represents ideologies that this country has yet to live up to. And that he can't see supporting that, that flag and that ideology when it doesn't take care of its people the way it says it does. Now, since then, everyone was saying that if he wants to stand up, you know, if he wants to make a point, say a message, you know, why doesn't he give away some of that money that he's making? Why doesn't he get involved in some community programs? Why doesn't he get out and talk to kids? You know, why are you being disrespectful to police and to law enforcement and military? Why don't you this, this, that? Every grocery list that they gave that they said he should be doing instead of not standing for the national anthem, he did. So he donated the first million dollars of his salary for this season to to uh, various organizations that help out. He hopefully gives it to mine. And then he followed up. His jersey went from the number 20 to 20th most sold NFL jersey to number one. And he's giving all of his proceeds from his jersey sales to to miscellaneous uh, organizations. Uh, he's personally met with law enforcement officers, personally met with military veterans, as well as active soldiers. Uh, everything that they said he should be doing, he did, as well as now he's still no longer standing for the national anthem. So that is somebody who works within a system, because when you're an NFL player, you still do work for somebody. Your, your contract, you sign one sign, but there's another name signed on the other line. So you still work for somebody. But this is somebody who's willing to take a stand and flex on what he believes in at the risk of a check. Because even though he signed that big contract, and you can make the argument that he's made enough that it won't matter anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. But now he's willing to risk a lot. So what does it take to inspire us to risk? <coughs> Excuse me. I, I think that, I mean, while you're choking on the chicken bone right now, I think that this was, and I and I said it on CBS uh, Channel 13 News 
when they asked me and interviewed me about my response to it, and I felt it was courageous, uh, bold, and it was an excellent move, and I still do believe it. But the thing about it, the funniest thing is how he has got really near to no support from his comrades in the NFL. I don't care. Um, I've heard some different sports analysts saying that he really wasn't a locker room guy and stuff like that. What it just shows is the silly Negroes and the cowards and the coons that we really have. These Negroes ain't ready to change nothing. These Negroes are excited and happy that Poppy, a.k.a. Master, a.k.a. Daddy Daycare is giving them a check. And the reality is that if we are truly talking about a Star Spangled Banner, a racist, if you listen to the whole song, and I hope to God black people stop singing it with a national anthem when they're called and requested, don't do it. When you listen to it, you hear the racial undertones, and on top of that, it was a racist slave owner that created a song. The funny part about us as blacks, I got into it with a little uh, elder who was, you know, from the 60s, and she even thought it was disrespectful that Colin Kaepernick did what he did because her family uh, served for the military. And at the same time, people, you got to understand, throughout history, we have served this country with all spirit, all passion, all intent because we felt that serving this country would allow this country to stop kicking our ass and this country would feel that blacks were important. It has never got us anything. And on top of that, when we have elders speaking against the liberty and freedom that our so-called veterans fought for that allows Colin Kaepernick to take a stand when there's injustice. You're really wrapped up into some other ish that I don't even know and won't even speak on because it is a deeper poison and it is almost a a brain control that white supremacy has you on. So what Colin Kaepernick did, did I feel, is he opened up uh, a bigger conversation because he is the first Real pro, uh, uh, high profile athlete. Carmelo, LeBron, Wade, Chris Paul did something dynamic, but in the same sense, it was orchestrated, it was controlled. Colin kind of did it. It was kind of like, hey, here I am, and this is the reason why. And he didn't hold any punches. He was direct. He was he was secure on what he was actually standing for. So when you have that kind of moment, you go back to Muhammad Ali. And then when you go back to Muhammad Ali, you remember when the great one died and everybody in America was cheering Muhammad Ali. But then you really go back and you remember when everybody hated Muhammad Ali. So I asked these people this. If you cheered Muhammad Ali when he died or when he got old and senile, why aren't you cheering Colin Kaepernick? Because Ali did the same exact thing. Ali stopped his career that could have been even greater than it was because he stood up and said, I will not go to the Vietnam War. I am not going to fight those who you say hate me when people here in this country hate me even more. Okay. So in the bottom line, the bottom line, dog, and the reality of it all is that Colin Kaepernick has stood up and more Negroes in this elite package. And I've always said it. If the elite Negroes who have some economic worth and some leverage with these uh, 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 corporations start stepping up, the whole ball game changes. Okay, so uh, addressing that is, so I don't know if you saw the interview where they uh, they interviewed Cam Newton. Okay, but just just because just, 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 oh. this goes in what you're saying. And so, uh, and on a lot of levels, I disagree with a lot of things that he says when, when he speaks. But it was something that was direct that Stephen A. Smith had, had commented when it came to Cam. It was that... Uh, Cam danced around the whole issue. Oh, for sure. And but but Cam was also coming off of the issues from his Super Bowl where he didn't do the interview and they roasted him for for thirty days. Well, well then not only that, they, he also came from the situation to where he started talking about the race issue when he started talking about you guys are not used to an African American quarterback like me. Yeah. Well, so since then, he they've been doing damage control on his PR campaign yeah. because he lost to Peyton Manning and his, on his doing his swan song. Peyton's gone. The, the, the fact of the matter is that the way that the league is, is sculpted and set up, it should really be the ushering of the Cam Newton era if he, quote unquote, you know, gets with the program. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so Stephen A. called him out in the sense of, uh, Cam, you've made your money. Yeah. League MVP, your endorsements, whatever. Yeah. If they took it all from you today, like cut off all your opportunities to make more, you're going to be all right. 
Like, like financially, yeah. you, you straight. Yeah. So you are not in a position to where you're like, I got to worry about feeding my family. I got to worry about keeping the lights yeah. on. You good. Yeah. Like Colin Kaepernick, he even pays $60 million. If they don't ever get another dime from any other sources, endorsements, the league, he's good. Yeah. So if you can't get those other players, the ones who've made 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 million, and if it all dried up today, they'd be all right. What would it take to, to get the 30,000, the 40,000, the 25,000 a year, brother, to get on board? And to speak his mind and to speak his truth, because we got twenty five million dollar brothers who were sitting there saying, I don't know. I don't want it all to end. They're not going to. Well, I'm, I would like to think that they're not going to, dog. Like this shows you they're not going to. Like, I'm so happy. Like when this stuff happened, it was almost so predictable with some of these niggas like Jerry Rice, uh, uh, Rodney Harrison. I mean, uh, uh, Victor Cruz, the, the cooning is nonstop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can go on for days. You even had Big Ben, Mr. Rapist himself, even speaking on against this, right? It just lets me know when I used to talk about the Donald Sterling case that I was right on point, that these Negroes are so shook, so scared of leaving daddy daycare and leaving master, getting off the plantation, just like you said. They are understanding that this NFL train, man, it is only going to go for so long. So they're going to ride it. Cam Newton, he was at one particular time seemed like he was going to be the voice of reason. He was going to hold that sculptor. But there's so much controversy since he's been in the league that he said, you know what, bro? Life is too good for me to step out in that light and screw everything up. But the unfortunate thing is Cam Newton is one knee injury away. Cam Newton is one RG3 season away from being an absolute nobody because you got to remember he was slightly going off the drift end and then he just kind of miraculously got his uh, uh, career back in line to where now that star that they thought they had, they have. But I would really like to see what happens this season. But as we talk about these Negroes uh, 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 sitting and sleeping with Master, it just goes to show you how much intact white supremacy is. As long as a Negro is getting a check, the Negro is eating healthy, and the Negro is having his his white girls and his 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 diamond in his 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 necklace and and his his bling bling and his Rolex. The Negro ain't going to speak upon issues that don't really affect him because in reality, yes, they're black men, but they have a different tax bracket that they don't have to deal, move, walk. But as soon as those concussions start kicking in, they're going to sit there and cry to mama talking about the NFL knew what they were doing and then ask for some money. So okay. it's a hypocrisy. I, I get that with the ones Rodney Harrison. He's still on. He's still in the desk. His football career is over. He still got his millions and he's still getting a good solid check to be an analyst. You got Jerry who's still hauling. Of famer he's still getting checks because he still does a lot sure. of stuff for the league but i'm talking about the average dude on the street because where you're not in a position to where it's the average dude on the street in the nfl or no the no, no. the average dude in the street like we have an issue to where guys who are making 30 40 50 million they're not willing to speak up but we can't even get the dudes who make thirty thousand to speak Dog, up. at the end of the day let me tell you something that's why you have to have these leaders who they praise like I'm trying to tell you, just as much as when we talk down about Colin Kaepernick, the media will always twist it. There's a lot more people, and from the response of the jerseys, whether these mother effers are, are sitting here burning his jersey or not, like that's the dumbest thing. If you're buying his jersey just to burn it, you're an idiot, right? That's you're like when they used to buy just, rap CDs to run them but over. But at the same time, these Negroes are also, these white boys who are usually doing this are also telling you what they would actually do to Negroes if they stepped out of line, right? So that should let you know because they used to burn us and do all other type of stuff anyway. But you should see that there's more people that are standing with Colin Kaepernick than meets the eye. The media is twisting the story just to hear the anti-Colin, but the reality is when I spoke truth to power, there are more people and the veterans as well are sitting there saying, well, that's his right to do that. The president, though we talk bad about our president, as well as said that. And in reality, what's more unpatriotic? If they're talking about patriotism, why the hell do we have so many damn veterans that are homeless, that are mentally ill? So let's not talk about patriotism. Let's not talk about, oh, defending this country. And let's not talk deeper about some of the wars that we've had to defend. 
some of these things and these places that we've gone to and terrorized. So everything hasn't been the poor American story of America fought for liberties and justice for all these people. Let's go deeper in the ignorance of people just to believe that, oh, America has never done anything wrong. It's shameful. So as I look at this whole Colin Kaepernick story and you talk about the thirty, forty thousand dollar Negro dog. If Negroes are getting thirty, forty thousand dollars and are comfortable in white for white supremacy, you think they're gonna lose that? If brothers get blackballed, like I said, us going in this independent route, we are risking our lives any every day. There is just a uh, a brother who was a part of the Ferguson Rebellion, R.I.P. Uh, to the King, Seals. Uh, uh, brother Seals. I don't know, it was Darren Seals or something right. like that. He just was found murdered, car uh, burnt up, car on fire. Kind of fishy to me, right? And this is not the the first person that has got killed. Uh, uh, there was another brother that allegedly committed suicide. Uh, so when you have yourself putting yourself on a line, speaking truth to power, dog, like we are speaking some truth, our heads are on the line every day. Negroes don't want that type of action. Negroes don't want that type of fear because we're comfortable in the state of where we in as much as we say we're uncomfortable. Okay, so we we obviously we're in a position now to where something's gonna have to change. Yeah. Either a there's gonna have to be some kind of coming together, some type of shift in policy and culture that gets yeah. us out of the hole we're in, or b come to grips with the situation and just go with it. Here's the thing: when someone is giving you an opportunity, the likeliness for you to be disloyal to them is high, right? That's just bottom line. I mean, just think about it. Because Jerry Rice was given an opportunity by who? Eddie DeBarlo. No. That was who? A white guy, right? Probably an Italian or a Jew, no, right? I don't know. Yeah. What'd you say? So, what Negro gave him the opportunity? Most of the times, the Negro is going to do so many things to, to stop your opportunity from also blossoming, right? So, as long as the Negro is getting that paycheck, getting opportunities from the white supremacists, whether they're white supremacists or they're just white guys that see the investment in the Negro to make them millions and trillions of dollars, how much are they going to really speak against the things that is going on in our society when they're the ones that have been funneling the money? They're the ones that have given these great opportunities. Yeah. Negroes aren't getting opportunities from other Negroes. So this is why Negroes won't be loyal. Right. I mean, it's even in, in the streets, bro. Like I'm sitting here hustling, trying to make ends. But I got to worry about the white guy jacking me. I got to worry about the Negro jacking me. Now, the people that are going to jack me are, of course, the law enforcement. But that's their job to do. Right. You know, catch me if you can. Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. But at the same point in time, we have to look at how. The dominant society dominates in really holding these Negroes accountable to them. Not to the community, but to them. Yes, you grew up in the community. Yes, you should be putting back to the community. But you no longer need to do anything to the community because okay. you're rich. Okay, so I think that this is something that definitely needs to be incorporated into how we teach things. Because I think we're, there's, there's a, a phrase that talks about how the different races see racism in America. That, that white people think that black people think everything is about race. And black people think that white people think nothing is about race. When you when you yes, white person explains something. It's not about race. It's not about this. And this ties into what we're talking about in finance. Is that this is a capitalist society, uh -huh. and if you're the dominant culture and your focus is your bottom line, there's a group of people that helps you make your money. You can exploit these people more than these people. Uh -huh. So even though your mentality may not be, I don't like them or dislike them because of what color they are. These are people who I can take advantage of. So it may not be a racial issue by way of I don't like you because of your color. I'm just going to pimp you because I can. And I think that because we don't have an economic base. No leverage. We're in a position to be pimped. And I think that where we keep running into these lines where we talk about things that are that are uh, racially based. The, a lot of times they're color based and the color is green. Yeah. So if we don't start banding together and start looking at getting an economic base where there's some leverage, yeah. there's some support. So when somebody needs a handout, they can get it from somebody who looks like them. Yeah. You know, when it comes to coming into communities and doing stuff, I can't just treat them any old kind of way because there's going to be some economic backlash that's going to affect my bottom line, yeah. which is what I'm here for in the first place. Yeah. 
So I'm talking. So in your opinion, what are some steps? Because it's one thing that we can we can grocery list off all the stuff that we ain't doing or the stuff that we should do differently or what we're doing wrong. But what's it going to take to start getting us on track a little more? Dog, it's it's going to it's going to take something. I don't know. It's going to take something horrendous, but it's going to uh, take more conversation because I mean, in reality, man, Amer- the American system doesn't want racism to end. <laughs> they don't because if you stop racism, then you focus on what? Well, the real the real elephant in the room is classism in America. And what else? Well, you just said that you just said the answer. Capitalism. Yeah. You you start ri- you start focusing on rich poor. Yeah. Because in reality, there's just as many poor white folks in there as black. Yeah. Racism white is folks, the smoke. Classism yeah. is the fire. White folks and capitalism is is the the coup de grace. Mm-hmm. I would look right because it goes into that pieces as well. White folks are there's more white people on welfare than there are blacks. Yes. But in the the terms of what we understand, we hear that. And we believe that there's more blacks on welfare systems, right? Okay, yeah. And then when you go ahead and you turn around and, and you overshadow like a racist situation, the, the racism that keeps on having to turn our necks, America doesn't want to solve the problem nor talk about the problem because they want the problem to exist so we can all be on different sides of the fence. Because yeah. in the reality, why are white people mad at black people? Like literally. Okay. okay, I actually had a theory about this. Oh, let me hear this. Shit. I had a theory. No, and, and follow me with this, because I I had it explained to me by an old gentleman some years back, and he was talking. He said he didn't understand black people, and I said, "What do you mean?" He said he was a white man. He said, "If what had been done to me and my people, which had been done to black people, we would have raised all kind of hell. We'd have burnt this nation to the ground." Before we'd have taken the L, that's where through the through the 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 fight with the British, the the the, the Civil War, anything. As soon as it got to the point that when we just reached a point, our boiling point, we would rather see this bitch in flames than take that subservient role. So he said, so we don't understand black people. So there's a lot of white people in his is is his understanding and kind of how I got it is that are always they were under the impression they're always waiting for the shoot the other shoe to drop. Yeah, I get it. There, there's a fear factor. So if you wake up every day thinking that is today the day that, the that they finally the had enough, yeah. instead of walking around in fear every day that yeah. they're going to fly Fear of the black panic. Well, it's let's start putting some stuff in place in case that day happens. Yeah, I get that. But you're asking why would they be upset? I don't think sometimes it's not necessarily anger. Some of it is uh, it's jealousy. Jealousy. Some of it I mean, is, is, is apprehension. Some of it is is anxiety. It's a lot of jealousy. Some of though. it is it's a lot of jealousy. Huh? I mean, think about it. I mean, you got pale face. Uh, you know, skinny. Uh, you know, can't even really be in the sunlight. They try to throw us sun sunscreen. We don't need that. Our melon is is worth a pot of gold. Uh, genetically, we're superior. I mean, that's just bottom line. We are the creators of it all. I think that 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 kind of knowing that we were the first is is almost kind of like damn we were in second place knowing that they came from caves and we came from these these elaborate uh uh, uh you know uh immaculate paradises in Africa <laughs> and, and, and and you know we have all of the the you know re- richest resources in Africa I think that you know when you stumble into our history and their history right in the beginning our our flow is a lot better. So in a fear factor and the way we move and how we operate and the, our resilience is, is kind of impeccable in the same sense that, you know, whites are dwindling down and blacks aren't even with all of the things that they've done. You know, we we are still kind of being able to recreate and once you put a little dip of black in it, you're black. So I could get that point. But if in an actuality, what you said that that person said to you, then again. I hear you, but why are you mad? Because if you're mad at someone, usually that should mean that somebody did something to you. Well, his point wasn't out of anger. His point was that it was legitimately out of there was some confusion. Yeah, well, I, I, and, and, I, and, I, and I understand that. But at the same time, the same point and frame, it's kind of like confusion. I get it. But what did we do to piss you off to the point where you hate us? And I think that 
It's such an easy conversation. Ah, let me excuse me. It's a hard conversation to have, but I believe it's a conversation we can have. I had a conversation with a white guy just the other day, and we had different views, different uh, understandings, but we came to a common agreement. And we both said, at the end of the day, the the American government, the system don't they want racism to continue? Yeah. They want it to be because I. In a sense, because I know my ancestors were duly affected by that, I have a kind of distaste for certain white systems, but I don't hate white people. As much as people will love to say, oh, you're teaching hate and you hate, I'm just pro-black. Well, I think that something that somebody told me, which I thought was cool, too, he was saying that the day that the average white American realizes that he is more in common with the black dude that Man, lives across the street. Listen, well, no, no, do that. That's the truth. But the, the day he realizes he is more in common yes. with the black dude that lives across the street than the rich white yes. man who lives up the hill. Yes. Then that's when you would see a shift. I, I, I totally agree. And even in the same sense of why I hate to love sports, but if you watch the camaraderie, those guys, and that's what, with, 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 especially with football, okay. when you have an all of these different personalities, all these different races coming together for a common goal. You trying to tell me that we can't sit there and put this thing together when we can easily coach each other. We can easily see that these guys, they have lived, don't even probably like each other, but they come together for a common goal, right? Yeah. That just shows you it can be done. But in the system of keeping capitalism, classism together and alive and for us to not think and not turn around like, wait a minute. What the fuck have you, you? What the fuck have you guys been feeding us? We would destroy a system if we decided to separate from a system, and it really goes into the bullshit that we have to vote for the super predator or Mister. I'm going to make America great again, and I like to say the one statement, the one statement that I clearly agree with, and I don't fuck with Trump, so don't get it twisted, is that what Trump sat there and said. Why not me? What have the Democrats done for the black community? I think that was elegant. That was a smart move that he did on his uh, campaign. He's uh, true. He ain't done nothing for us. But the, the 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 fact is, like when I look at it, certain parts of the system that are set up, this capitalist system with capitalist society, is that a good example to show that they will screw whomever. Indeed. Because because a, a great example is is that the sovereign land gave it to Native Americans. Oh yeah. Because it, throughout the Constitution and throughout all the doctors, there's only three groups of people. There's the European immigrants, Africans, slaves, or those de descendants of Africa, and quote-unquote indigenous people, yeah. who we call Native Americans. So Native Americans got their own sovereignty, their own land, their own reservations. Kind of like, if shit goes south, don't call FEMA because we ain't coming. Yeah. You take care of your own issues and yeah. we'll leave you alone. Now that they want to do that pipeline through North Dakota. That's crazy. Which man. is going to contaminate the drinking water of 80,000 Native Americans. Flint, Michigan. Yeah, so... Now, through uh, sovereign-based land, reservation land that was given to these Native Americans that was that was set off to them however many years ago, they want to run a pipeline through Native American burial grounds and contaminate the drinking water for cl close to 100,000 people <laughs> and do to them what they did to the people in Flint, Michigan, to show that, look, this is a prime example of we're, it's not necessarily just a race issue. We're screwing anybody whom we can yeah. and anybody who's fucking with the church's money yeah. because we found out a way to get money coming through here. Yeah. We will we will we will give horrible water to your yeah. babies. Uh. We will dig up your dead ancestors. Uh -huh. We will run a tunnel through your town. Uh -huh. We will screw over screw over whomever, whenever, however, for however long is necessary to keep this paper flowing. And that's the unfortunate thing about when we talk about like the Colin Kaepernick story and we talk about uh, being unpatriotic no. and then you look at the disgusting turn of events that has happened. Just let's say in the two years, the two years of what America has done besides police brutality, besides uh, cover-ups and um, the police organizations throughout America, besides like the Flint, Michigan situation and these things that continue to show its ugly face. But people will sit there and try to blame a guy like Colin Kaepernick. The fact that they've allowed Donald Trump and see the thing about Donald Trump is I don't believe that he's this overriding bigot. I just believe that he is a guy that speaks from a place 
where certain individuals that he does business with, certain individuals that he's around, how they think and what that does, it sparks out the bigotry with other people. You know what I'm saying? It sparks out the true racist and other people and the way he words things, the way he kind of flares it out. And in that same sense, we got to all remember, clearly Donald Trump didn't even think that he was going to get this far. Clearly he didn't. But because we sensationalize uh, uh, gossip, we sensationalize drama, and we love that good uh, story of scandal, especially when it comes to the white person. Nation we, loves we, celebrity. Yeah, the nation loves celebrity. Of course, in this, this kind of setting, Donald Trump is good news, whether it's bad news for the media. So when you talk about North Dakota and then you talk to me about Colin Kaepernick, like we are literally talking about a guy who sat down for a right that he has and nobody is talking about North Dakota or we've kind of moved past some of the police brutality and police okay. murder. And we've gone past what is going on in Flint, Michigan. Like these things no longer exist. To put it in the, in the, in the full context. So the, the Native American tribes that are in North Dakota, a bunch of different tribes, they've all banded together. Like from they're they're saying as they should. One of the queens actually, uh, Mama Rose is about to go out there. Shouts out to Mama Rose. She's going out there right now. Yeah. To deal with so this. they were suggesting that all these different tribes that said, "For this, we stand together. We're one. We're we're unified." Yeah. And they, you'd have thought it was a scene out of the 1960s where they sent the security team up there with mace and sick dogs, sent German shepherds and pit bulls on on these tribes who were peacefully protesting, not wanting their ancestral burial grounds dug up to run a tunnel through that they have the right and that they were given on their to, land on their land and then uh that they have the, the the bad drinking water and the thing about this country is is that colin kaepernick was the face of the san francisco 49ers he was there he was their guy yeah uh and but the reality is in this capitalist society and that the state in capitalist society is very important because it is based in competition where there has to be a winner. Yeah. It's not about we all come together. We all win. Capitalism is based in a win lose situation. Donald Trump is truly the face of the franchise. He is a dude that has financially won, made mul multiple amounts yeah. of money, yeah. uh, got his prestige. He represents capitalism to the fullest. Yeah. So if you're talking about uh, somebody who. When they talk about be Colin Kaepernick being unpatriotic, that's probably accurate because what he's doing does not represent the overall tone of the nation. Yeah. Somebody who's saying that I'm going to speak for the oppressed, yeah. even though th I may not be in the bracket that they're in. But that's, but um, that's a huge situation. Yeah, but I'm saying but he's speaking and representing people, being involved in groups, willing to work with and speak with whomever to make his point more valid and to be more known. That is not patriotic because that is not what this nation is based off. Yeah. This nation is based off of I got mine. Now you get yours. I got to get mine. You gotta get yours. We're gonna go with I gotta you. get mine. We're gonna, gotta go, get we yours. gonna go into whatever country we need <laughs> to bomb whoever we need to bomb yes, to sir. take what we need to take. And call it 9-11. Call it whatever. Uh, you you can call it that's why we're the only the only nation that every war we fought in, we have a base set up. Yeah. There is no reason why we still need to be in Japan. No doubt. Germany. No doubt. Afghanistan, everywhere, everywhere we go, we we're put these little chest no, We're protecting the freedoms of people all over the country. Nah. That is the American way. We set up shop and plant a flag and, and put our hoes on different corners all over the globe. And that's why I hate some of the American people's idiocy and their logic because I swear they can throw a flag and the Negro will forget about everything. And they, as like, I was so embarrassed at an African trade show. I'm going back and forth with an elder about Colin Kaepernick and if he was unpatriotic, as if he did something wrong. It is so shameful that black pastors are inviting Donald Trump and the buffoonery that comes with that. It's, okay. it's just all okay. shameful, well, well, keep, man. Keep it in line with that is, is that in this capitalist society where it's all about the dollar, most of these churches, these big ones, are getting government money. Oh, man, we already know that. Well, but I'm saying, but for those pimping. who don't. We talk about pimping, brother. That's, that's, I'm just that's, saying, but that's so, pimping 101. But for some who don't and couldn't understand, like, well, why would you invite this person here or there? Why would you have so-and-so at your church? Because that's who's been funding their church. Yes, sir. That, that, that's, yeah. the, that's the government kickbacks yeah. they got. And that's the, and that's the whole thing. So like, they've already been bought and paid for. Yeah, and then it's the whole thing about Democrats and the Negro loves the Democrat. For whatever reason, we love the Democrats because the Democrat is the party that represents blacks. And I asked any black, and I said this on my Facebook posts, 
why do blacks continue to support Democrats? Because Republicans are supposed to be specifically for white people. Those, those Republicans are about money first, yeah. which happens to be in the hands of white people. You know, the funny thing about it, it's like it reminds me of like the sports owners, right? Okay. From NFL, NHL, NBA, whatever. NBA, whatever. I will try to do whatever I can to get the advantage of you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm still a millionaire, a billionaire. You're still a billionaire. These are our boys that got their plan for us, for our empire. Yeah. We're still going to shake hands at the end of the day. I don't really have to like you as much. Yeah. But in a sense of keeping our capitalistic society going on, yeah. I'm going to do whatever because at the end of the day, I don't need the slave rebellion. Right. Yeah. Because the thing about it and you also when we go back into Colin Kaepernick, there was NF, some NFL execs that said they are so disenfranchised by Colin Kaepernick's actions that he is more hated than uh, uh, Ray Carruth. Yeah. yeah, 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 killed, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Killed his pregnant, his pregnant baby mom. And I heard his now. baby that 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 survived, yeah, got down syndromes, all type of craziness. Right. Yeah, yeah. But when you hear that, that's why I say the importance and I've argued this back and forth with my cousin. The importance, if the Negro, could you imagine this scene, dog? If every single Negro, when Colin Kaepernick stepped up and made this stance, said, we're going to do the same exact thing. It would force the conversation and the NFL to see a whole different approach and be like, oh, shit, we might have to sit there and deal with the conversation. Because when the Missouri college football team sat down. They said, we ain't playing. We're not playing at all. Make this right. Or we're we none not, of us showing up. And it was all of them united. Yeah. Things got done. Until the Negro gets united. If it was and, just the quarterback. Man, then listen, bro, nobody would have happened. And it's, that's the problem that we have in the black community. As soon as Colin Kaepernick steps up, stands up. I guarantee you we had conversations with some of the players okay. maybe around the league. Hold on a second. That that he is going to do something like this at the time proceeds itself. He's going to make this happen. And I guarantee you some were like, okay, we'll be down with you. But you only saw Eric Reed. And maybe uh, 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 another player somewhere else. And I was happy to see the white lady on the soccer team do the same thing. It has to be a situation now when you go back into the NBA where those Negroes who stood up and talked about we need to make a great change. Well, hey, we haven't had no conversation about race. We haven't had no conversation with the police. No change has happened. There's been more death. There's been more money. There's more injustice. Now they have to take it a step further. Could you imagine LeBron James opening night with the, the Cleveland Cavaliers and them not standing up? Okay, I, I say, so my issue, and I and I agree with you, and something that I was looking at, so when you're referring to the, uh, the white lady, and I, I, it escapes me her name, and I apologize for that, uh, who, who took the knee. So all of these players who played, you had Drew Brees who was against it, Roethlisberger who was against it, all this. I'm thinking about the, the let's just stick in football. The the say the quarterback because that's the best position uh -huh. we're talking just just for the the guys whose careers were made you take Ben Roethlisberger he does not have the career he's had if he didn't have Heinz Ward Jerome Bettis Antonio Brown Mike Wallace these black players who made his career if Steve Young didn't have Jerry if 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 Joe Montana didn't have you know Roger Craig John Taylor you can make the argument for Tom Brady because he had Wes Welker Danny Amendola Gronkowski whatever but some of these other players who their careers were elevated they made their mark in their sport because of the black players that they played with some of these dudes should be saying something because it's 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 not that the responsibility starts with them. But my thing is, if if your whole career, the reason why you got the numbers, like I said, Ben Roethlisberger, nothing without those players. I don't even think there was a white receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers in his entire tenure. Like, those guys. Why would white people talk about racism, especially as high up as they? Why would they? What, 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 what benefit do they get from that? This is not necessarily about a benefit, but I would think that at some point, because there will be some. Eventually, they'll they'll see you'll, there'll be a few who start popping up out the woodwork when it gets a little more steam. Well, I mean, we got to put pressure on them. I mean, if the Negro athlete don't put pressure on him, it's but, like but that's this. my point. Yeah, I hear that, but at the same time, the Negro athletes like Jerry Rice and Rodney Harris, Victor Cruz, and all these other coons that we've talked about, um, Cam Newton, 
dance around with the conversation or denounce it. And I even think Shaq O'Neal even said some something stupid and was like, well, you wasn't doing it last year. Like these Negroes is all <laughs> as money as you as, as black as we think some of these Negroes are. They're not black because at the end of the day, brothers will sell out their sister for a nickel. If we don't come together for a group, see, it's always been the American issue for blacks because if blacks don't all stand together, we feel that we're going to get a few couple of great white friends that are going to actually stand for us. If we don't all stand together for the issue, why the hell are they going to? Shoot, I if I was a white guy, I mean, yeah, I like you. You're my friend. But I'm not going to go ahead and mess up my bed, especially when I know none of your other people are going. Yeah. Bottom line. So at the same time, I believe that in this moment, it has to be all us. So now I got you. I guess and I agree with you. I think. I think that there's a lot of stuff that needs to be addressed and this is just the beginning. Like you're just going into week one of the NFL season and the preseason the preseason games are, are what they are and, and that's where you make a lot of tweaks and adjustments and moves and so they're gonna make their, their move now because the season literally starts less than twenty four hours. And as you go into this weekend, you're gonna start seeing when it's really all eyes on. Because a lot of these preseason games came and went. A lot of people didn't watch them. They weren't really they none of them was selling out whatever but you're going to start having people specifically looking at teams now specifically looking at every player there's going to be more of a spotlight on each of these guys and they're going to see look to see who's who thought it was a good idea in the preseason who got spoken to in the last week and who's willing to stand out and, and take a chance to possibly risk a check because in the end of the day, you, you can't just sit quietly. You can't just stand on the sideline. You're going to have to be forced to do what we do in here today. And that's when you're going to have to say something. Say something. So I appreciate you, everybody listening. I'm Jermaine Morris, always delivering real life without the sweeteners, here with Barry Axius. You already know what it is, baby. Always unapologetic. Coming to you next week. And uh, we thank you for listening. Blueprints. Get that ticket. Dr. Boyce Watkins coming to Sacramento September 11th. Holla.